Welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. With comics making their comeback to the shelves and digitally, I got the opportunity to speak to one of my favorite writers, Scott Snyder, about his upcoming DC Comics event, Dark Knight's Death Metal, his ongoing image comic series, Undiscovered Country, and we also talked about some advice to new creators. Now, the website post of this episode will feature links to Amazon, where you can purchase the titles that we discuss in this episode. And if you purchase them through the link, you help fund the website and the pod as I look to expand and improve on the Superpowered Fancast experience. Now, I'm also an Entertainment Earth affiliate, so if you're looking for comic book and sci-fi collectibles, including the upcoming Marvel Legends Spider-Man action figure line based on the 90s animated series, you can pre-order them by clicking the links in the article and ordering them. So, without further ado, uh, here is my new interview with Scott Snyder. First question I want to ask is really is... um, Especially just kind of like a general question about since you just cutting through all the stuff and just getting to the situation we're all in is like, um, what have you been, what have you been reading during like your quarantine time? Like what if, like what, uh, comics or graphic novels or, or novels have, have you had the time to kind of sit down and, uh, and dive into? Oh man, I wish I had more time, but I, it's been, it's been crazy. I mean, quarantine for us has just been like, uh, you know, doing the kids school and the baby and my wife has been uh, great about watching them while I work. Um, she works, she's a doctor and she yeah. does uh, early detection uh, pediatric cancer and breast cancer. But because there's really no elective surgeries right now because the hospital here in New York by us has been, you know, pretty intensely focused on COVID, she's been home kind of helping with the kids and I've been the one working so our schedule is almost like baby wakes up at 6.30 I take the baby from 6.30 to 9.30 he naps then and the kids start school then and so she takes them from 9.30 until you know 4.30 5 and then I have them all until dinner and then we all watch a movie together we rotate nights on who picks what Right. so it's like some nights I get stuck watching Frozen for like a million times <laughs> and some nights it's like you know uh, uh, something something like much more uh, much more inspiring and then um, not that it's a great movie but I just I could recite it at this point um, but the uh, and then once the kids are down by like 9.30 you know or so uh, we have about an hour to catch up me and her I got so you. I, I I've been awful. This is the, the what I'm getting at when it comes to reading. But I did read um, Sabrina, mm-hmm. um, graphic novel. I really loved that. Uh, it was recommended from James Tynan, and I went back and reread From Hell also. Okay. So I read those, and I've been reading more manga actually because my son, my, and my, I've been reading more YA, like middle grade um, mm-hmm. graphic novels because my younger son's reading those, and my older son is reading manga. So I read. Uh, actually read Death Note all 13 volumes mm-hmm. uh, and read uh, Attack on Titan which I'm only like a few volumes in but he's loving and then for my younger son we're reading The Mighty Jack and okay. we're reading Witch Boy so those two books after reading Amulet he read all of Amulet so okay. that's kind of 
yeah, the extent of my reading, I feel terrible, but I, <laughs> I read Venom 25 the other day and thought it was great. Donnie is killing it. And I, I have a lot to... The one thing I'd say is I have a lot to read in terms of um, DC stuff right now because of death metal. So yeah. I've been reading, uh, you know, Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad, which is really strong, and uh, obviously James Tynan's Batman and uh, Josh Williamson's Flash and... You know, uh, a bunch of stuff like that that ties into what we're doing on Death Metal. So, that's kind of it. Otherwise, I've been watching everything from, like, you know, uh, Clue and Good Burger to, uh, <laughs> to uh, you know, Ponyo and whatever, like, depending on whose night it is. Yeah, I, say I'm, I, I, can, I feel you. I've been, uh, I think I've watched... I think I've watched Scoob like ten times already. Oh my god! <laughs> my heart, every time it's his turn now, he takes Scoob. Yeah. Which I will say, it's impressive they bring in all those characters. Like seeing Captain mm-hmm. Caveman was not something I expected, but that said, yes, yeah. I could do without another night of Scoob. Yeah, I think I kind of, I kind of zone out until, and you know, and then look at the like the stuff in the background, like they have like the little Easter eggs, like Laugh Olympics and Johnny Quest and yeah. all that. Exactly, Johnny Quest, I saw it too, and then, I'm like, now I'm like prepped, I feel like all we do is that we've watched the same thing so many times that we see all these Easter eggs, so like, the little one, Baby loves, for some reason, he loves any musical Disney movie, so we watch like Tangled, and, you Mm -hmm. know, Frozen, and Moana, and all that, and, uh, we just watched Tangled, I mean, uh, Frozen this morning, and my son, my nine-year-old caught that Rapunzel and the dude, Flynn, Flynn, yeah, Flynn. Mm-hmm. they're in the crowd going into the castle at the beginning of the party when they open the doors. And yeah. we're all so excited. And then I was like, I write Easter egg Batman and I write metal. This is the least metal thing ever to get excited <laughs> and cheat about. So I'm not cheating about it. I was like, guess what, everybody? Rapunzel is actually in <laughs> No, I was like, no, I'll lose all Batman credit with that. I'm not doing it. No, because uh, I would say because we're all we're all in that same place. We're just all trying to find trying to find those little entertaining things for the things we've seen over and over again. Yeah, it's hard, man. It sneaks in in different ways. You know, we're we're lucky. We live out. You know, I'm lucky that I still have work, and I'm really. You know, I feel really fortunate in that regard, and you know, we're we're good with all that. So it's like one of the taglines for for death metal is that it all matters. So can you kind of go into a little bit of detail about what that's going to mean for fans? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the goal, and we pitched the story back when I pitched metal, like at um, the New York Comic Con twenty sixteen, and I pitched it as kind of like. If people like metal, we have a follow-up that kind of brings everything back in a bigger way. And there were things we didn't know at that time, like when Doomsday Clock would finish or Mm -hmm. what impact it would have. And, you know, Brian wasn't over yet, Brian Bendis. And there were were just different things that, like, hadn't been set up yet. But Mm -hmm. the general idea was that even at that point, um, there was a notion that things were a bit siloed, both in terms of our history... Our history was kind of like all over the place in terms yeah. of what stories mattered because we had done this new, the new 52 and it had been kind of all over the place and then Rebirth, but then Rebirth kind of went off, you know, went off, uh, off that message at certain points. And so there's all, it was just, it's a very mixed bag of things mm-hmm. in terms of where, where everything stands in continuity, not quality, but just like where, 
what, what what's part of continuity, what's not, what's happening, where, when is what, you know, what stories are real, what isn't. Right. And I think it was it was it was it was starting to repel fans, and there was a feeling among me and the guys that I work with, the women I work with too, that we wanted to really try and dive into that idea of comics as an immersive, long-form tapestry storytelling, you know, uh, format. Mm-hmm. So that if you read Metal, you could read it alone, but then if you read that, and then No Justice, and then Justice League, and then uh, New, uh, I mean, uh, Justice Odyssey, and Justice League Dark, and Batman Superman, and you're the, like, all of it would build, and build, and build, and build, and it would right. all be part of one story, and there'd be pieces that wound up in other things, like Martian Manhunter, or over here, and... And some things didn't didn't land in terms of what we wanted to do. Um, the schedule got extended quite a bit, and some of the, to be frank, like some of the things that we wanted to do with Year of the Villain and uh, uh, got pulled got pulled back into 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 you know late twenty nineteen, and and mm-hmm. you know we wanted to make it basically metal. In our original plan, metal was going to happen quite much earlier. And a lot of the stuff was going to be much more uh, compressed, all of it, until metal happens. But because of different, like multiple reasons um, internally, DC sort of spread things out differently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm happy with how it all came out, and I'm really proud of it, um, and happy that we got to do it. But our plan was to make it even more immersive in terms of, you know, having it be, I think, more richly intertwined with more series and, and giving people more pieces to play with and different things like that that then you either got closed down because of sales, editorial changes, all kinds of different things. Um, but what we have is with Death Metal is the culmination of all this story that we've been planning from 2017, 2016 to now. And the goal with it was to say, not only do the stories matter that you've read between, you know, four years ago and, and now, if you've been following me or Josh or James or uh, other, multiple other writers that, you know, kind of bought into it back then, from Rob and Diddy to uh, 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 Tom Taylor, other people too, um, but it would build on the whole legacy of DC, because Metal was about, you know, trying something new but but it's embracing the kind of comic book lunacy and grandeur of of events like old school events you know um they were personal and about the moment but that stuff was kind of sublimated beneath the huge epic heroics and transportive material of the story and so death metal was going to be that it was going to be like the culmination of everything where the Batman who laughs has been given the authority to take over the entire world with hundreds of evil Batman and the heroes feel like the world has changed in a split second and there's no getting it back and it's just the new normal is this you know like horrible status quo and they don't know what to do. And then suddenly something happens where Wonder Woman realizes there might be a way back. And so, um, you know, that wound up becoming both the story we, we had planned from the very beginning and always wanted to tell, and then also became much more resonant with everything going on in the news. And, you know, it was always a personal story, but you never know where you're going to be in three or four years. And strangely, it wound up becoming the story that was about exactly how 
most of us on the team feel about this moment in time because the heroes are going through what we're going through where ultimately everything is seems on fire everything everyone is separated everyone is scared everyone is angry frustrated and disappointed and and yet the story is meant to be out of control kind of fun once wonder woman picks up her invisible chainsaw we want you to feel like yes you know what that's it we're just gonna fucking fight and get it back and it's gonna be crazy and great and let's do it and that's it and it's like you know it's it's the weirdest stuff darren like from the very beginning like what the idea was to open the whole thing with a um i'm spoiling stuff but with a page where Sergeant Rock would be talking to you, the audience, mm-hmm. and people are like, you know, other heroes off panel, because they're in the middle of a fight somewhere, and you don't know where they are, but they're like talking to them as though it's the middle of a war zone, and they're like, Rock, who are you talking to? There's nobody there. And he's like, you know, like, he's like, lay off trunks, like meaning Superman or whatever. <laughs> I'm I, and they're like, you're seeing things, Rock. Like, you got, you took a bad hit. You know, you're imagining it. He's like, I'm, if I'm seeing things, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people out there that, you know, like, and it's a lot of fun. He's like, I love writing him. It's a blast. But, yeah. you know, it was always there from the beginning. And he was, he was giving this pep talk where he's saying, things are bad right now, you know, and they, they feel like this, and they feel like, and he gives this whole scenario where he's like, it's like you're at a drive-thru, and you order one of them fancy burgers with the last of your paycheck, you know, and they give you this thing, that's on a French curly bun, and it's got those fries, and, and you bite into it, and it's a goddamn turd, and he's like, it's a turd burger, you know, and then you know, he's like, and those fries, and this and that, and he goes into this whole speech, and it was so long, Greg got mad at me, because it was like this huge balloon. And then, uh, but he, he goes like, you know, he's like, but let me tell you something. He's like, the world might look like that right now, but what I, what I, if I'm seeing things, what I look out and I see when I look at you guys as soldiers and the best kind, the kind that show up in the worst of times and they stay. And he's like, so we're going to prove to them we're still here. You know, and then he like picks up this giant space machine gun. And then the funny, <laughs> the part I love is that Batman picks him up and you realize he's a zombie. He's like only the bottom half of him is missing <laughs> he's right. like come on rock let's go and uh <laughs> and that's the i mean that's the spirit of metal it's yeah. like so that's that's yes that's metal to me is like just i don't plan on doing another event after this this mm-hmm. is it i wanted to be like everything i've ever wanted to do in one event here if metal was the tests like the opening act or the testing ground this is the full thing and that's it and then at the end we can be like let's go do other things, you know, not other companies necessarily. I mean, Greg and I are definitely going to go do indie stuff after this, mm-hmm. but you know, we still have some DC ideas and that stuff, but I don't, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be doing events for a while after this. I want right. to go fo- refocus on creator owns, refocus on smaller projects. Okay. And yeah, and, and on that same note, like just because you're, you're doing something so big with, with death metal, like how, I mean, I know you're not in control of it, but, like, how do you kind of manage expectations of, like, bringing everything home? And, and like, what do you what do you hope fans take away from the story, ultimately? Well, I hope they take away the fact that we care about the DCU and the characters in the same way they do, that their disappointments are our disappointments, and often those disappointments are in ourselves, meaning, like, I'm not there's nobody I would point a finger at and say this is why DCU is disconnected or you know hasn't hasn't felt united or any of it it's my fault as much as anybody's so you know it is what it is 
But I think that one of the things that we're trying to do with this event is to say everything that you have ever loved and read at DC Comics now is in continuity and matters and is part mm-hmm. of this story in spirit or literally. Right. And I'm going to give too much away, but what happens is the Batman who laughs has taken over the world with all these evil Batman, some of whom are like evil robot dinosaurs and some of them are like like terrifying ones and some yeah. of them are like really ridiculous funny ones like they're Garth Ennis made up an evil Batman baby and that's been <laughs> one part of it he wrote that story Warren Ellis wrote the story for the dinosaur Chip Zdarsky wrote the story for uh I, well, I won't give up to give away too much stuff I'm not supposed to tell you yet but it's like it's 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 really fun but uh, but but what happens is Wonder Woman realizes that uh Wally is in the prison that she's she, certain heroes have been tasked by the Batman who laughs of manning different territories around the DCU he was given the power by Perpetua to change the whole earth into his kind of earth so the earth now looks almost like a, a continental bat <laughs> and have moved all around and so Gotham is like thousands of miles long and there's like a, a you know a, a uh, Valley of the Fallen Rings where all of the Green Lanterns kind of went down in different ways and mm-hmm. there's like the Jungle of Sorrows and all kinds of crazy stuff and um, and meanwhile uh, he's ruling over all of it but what Wally tells Wonder Woman is like Perpetua is up there destroying universes, there's only 8 left out of 52 Earths and the thing that I've realized on the Mobius chair and again, a lot of it, like, Wally on the Mobius chair wasn't part of our plan. That was in another story, but right. we're taking everything, taking everything and like being like, let's make this all work. Right. So Wally on the Mobius chair says, what I've realized is, and this was always in the story, that every crisis in the past has, has been connected by a kind of crisis energy. And the energy is about starting things over, making things important at that particular moment, and, it, and, and when somebody takes that negative energy to say, it's not about this long generational story, it's about this moment, it knots the timeline, and things get forgotten and lost and contorted and so mm-hmm. on. And there have been certain major crises, and all of them, in one way or another, they think, have been kind of inspired by the whisperings of Perpetua, who was locked in the wall, and her children, or the anti-monitor, and so on. And so they're saying that... What we need to do right now, she's up there destroying universes by funneling crisis energy into her own, uh, into her own body. And she's just like destroying world after world with it so she can remake it. So if we get that energy, we can actually restart and change the DCU into what we want. And so it's the heroes causing the greatest crisis of all time. Um, but the way to do that and the reason that she can do what she's doing is because she uh, is using the Batman who laughs, who is a conduit to the dark multiverse where all those crises are still happening and always happen because we remember them. Mm-hmm. And that's why she kept the heroes and villains alive on Earth. Okay. And so the story is literally about revisiting the greatest crises ever <laughs> to try and, not going back in time, but instead finding them happening now in this moment in the dark and siphoning the power from that so that they can cause their own crisis. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it's... So it's, 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 it's yeah, go crazy. ahead. 
and over the top, but it references every DC story of the past. So the reason I'm getting into all this to answer your question is that I genuinely want, and the whole team wants readers to feel like, oh my God, they're they're talking about Zero Hour and Crisis mm-hmm. on Infinite Earths and Cosmic Odyssey and like you know all the stuff that I read and loved. And if you're brand new and you've never read any of that, that's great too. It's saying it's a, you don't have to read it; you can just pick this up. We want to reward you as a DC reader. The goal of the event is to say thank you for being a DC fan and loving these characters. If you just picked up your first comic or you've been reading for you know. 75, 80 years and you're 100 years old or whatever. So that's the goal. We wanted it to feel immersive, celebratory, connective, and just fun, you know, because it's very much about this moment. It, it is a, like the same way metal was about that moment, you know, in 2016 and 17. But I don't think you would know it until you're done with the book. You know, right. I don't want it to be something where it's like, Hey, look! This is everything is about what's happening in the news right now, but it is very deeply. I write all these stories for my kids. I want I want it to be something that I would tell my children about this moment and what I hope they learn from it. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know this one is about that. So anyway, that's that's my long answer <laughs> to your question. Oh no, it's it's a great answer because that's, that's absolutely what I was what I was thinking listening to what you were saying is that it is basically saying, hey, you know what, all of this stuff matters uh all of it is and that's what one of the things i love about the tagline is that yeah because one of the things that in at you know a lot of comic fans complain about is you know reboots and retcons and all of that and the fact that you all are saying hey you know what even if something has been changed there's a reason for it but all of it is still part of the same universe that you love and that's and that's and if that's the message if that's the message of it, then I, you know, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. Because I well, love... You see, like, yeah, I mean, that, that's not only the message, but Wonder Woman realizes it has to go further, where it's like, every story ever is part of continuity, you know? Mm-hmm. The lasso is the lesson, the truth, the fact that she represents truth, and that the lie is that, oh, that didn't matter, that didn't happen, now yeah. it's just about this, is, is the thing she debunks and cuts through. So the idea with her is that she's a warrior to say she's a warrior on a mission of of truth, and the truth here is that every story matters. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's even char- characters that you might not remember. If they mattered to somebody and they meant something to them, then they matter and they exist and they're part of it. They're all part of one story that is DC and comics and all of it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty fun. Very beneath like. The Batman Silver Surfer, Evil Batman Silver Surfer, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever Evil Batmobile Monster Truck Batman right. is a message that matters to us, which is that. Okay, so I mean, so this one, so Death Metal seems to seems to have uh, Diana as the kind of uh, through line in the protagonist, where you know, uh, where the uh, first metal was yeah. all about was all about Batman. So I mean, is uh, how what is kind of the the difference in Storytelling between telling it from Bruce's perspective and Diana's. Like, did that change in the writing at all? Yeah, it really did. I mean, for me, you know, Bruce is about denying things that have to do with his own weaknesses. So, Metal One was about saying there are all these parts of yourself you don't want to look at. And sometimes the loudest voices in the room are saying give in to those ugly parts of yourself 
and embrace them because that's who you really are. You know, mm-hmm. you want to say, I don't want to talk to the other side. I, you want to say, you know, go hurt them. You want to have a bully on your side. You want to like all those things that are born of fear and anger and smallness and pettiness. You know, Bruce, Bruce is a character who doesn't look at anything in the dark multiverse. That's who he is. He would never address it right. because he just goes forward. That's why that story was about him. This story is about Wonder Woman, who technically is the oldest superhero when it comes to people still alive today, right. like living through you know the heroism of the DCU. So she has the kind of memory, if her memory was connected from the beginning to now, that would you know encompass most of the heroic DC universe. Um, but on top of that, she's somebody who looks straight into the the ugliness of the truth and talks about it like to me that's the difference between Wonder Woman Superman and Batman is that like you know Batman will like Superman to me is the optimist you know he looks at the mask and 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 is hopeful that they'll reach a goal that is probably not what they'll reach but he like thinks that's what's going to happen Wonder Woman like looks at all of it and creates a very practical strategy Batman is there to talk about like the good and the bad of the situation and hopes for the best but that's you know that Batman to me is like the pessimist who looks at it from all the bad angles prepares for everything bad and then goes for the impossible thing like Superman right. <laughs> but like prepares so Wonder Woman to me is the one that makes us look at ourselves truthfully mm-hmm. and in that she still believes in us and believes in the, in the best in us and you know in love and the truth and faith and all those things but she's the one that's the, you know, she's the one that's going to tell Bruce and Clark, look, like, look at the real thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. yes, you're, you're planning for the worst. You're hoping for the best. But here's the middle. Like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And now, knowing all of that math, now we try to do the best we can and just see how it goes, you know, that. And so <clears throat> with this, you have... Superman is is imprisoned, you know, and and on the sun, and in New Apocalypse, which is in the sun. Uh, Batman is essentially, you know, uh, was killed. He's Lord of the Dead, which you know is part of a secret, like part of a whole plot about him, which you'll see. Right. And Wonder Woman is the one that was chosen by Batman, who laughs to make sure the villains stay in prison. In, in essentially in hell in Dimascara where all the villains of the DCU have been captured so they can remember the crises past and that stuff but are protected so Wonder Woman is the one trying to figure out a way out Superman thought he could just beat Batman who laughs and loses Batman is the one that's like out there trying to do the darkest thing possible you know to, to undercut the Batman loss and Wonder Woman's the one in the middle saying how do we really get through this and get everything back right you know how do we get, get everything back? So, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's like a totally labyrinthian answer to it. But but to me, she was always the right person for this story because the chainsaw of truth. She cuts through everything and says, this is this is what the DCU is. It needs a little of both. It needs, mm-hmm. it needs to be about connecting to our legacy, honoring the characters, making sure everything matters, and then at the same time being additive and being bold and trying to... to you know, use a tiny bit of that crisis energy to put new things in. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, 
Well, no. I'm like waxing poetic on it, but that's, that's no, that's that, but see, that's what I, that's what I want to hear because that's that's the stuff I want to hear that because that's the inspiring uh, stuff that makes me want to read the story because like the way that it uh, the way you're breaking it down is yeah you you're talking about Wonder Woman in the sense of her her being that that vessel of truth and then the way you explained it with the chainsaw I was like yeah you know what sometimes truth needs to be brutal sometimes it can't just you, you, it can't just be a, you know a conversation sometimes you got to cut through the, the the bull to get to the truth and that yeah that would be like the kind of perfect metaphor for her having a a chainsaw of truth Wait till you see. And she uses it in the first issue in a way that I really think will surprise people and excite people. I'm excited yeah, for people to see it. So, well, I'm you know I you know how I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like it's just uh, just the fact that again it's a it's it's a, it sounds it's everything about it sounds like such a great uh, way to tie everything together. And I, I'd uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to reading it so it's just like as a fan I, as a fan I wanted to it just seems like you want you kind of want us to take away from it a sense of you know this is the entire universe this is the culmination of everything you've loved about it yeah I mean everybody's in it from like Jonah Hex to Sergeant Rock to Parallax at some point mm-hmm. so it's like it's that crazy Superboy Prime like it's all over the place mm-hmm. so it's it's definitely like a step up from the last one and at the same time it's definitely. It's also like a a kind of swan song where we want to be able to say, you know, Greg, we're both we're, we've both been doing it now at DC, trying to kind of top ourselves in different ways. Although I feel like we started to move away from that with last night doing our own stuff within the Black Label universe. But mm-hmm. you know, just trying to always say, how can we do something that surprises ourselves about how big and personal we can go all at once like keeping it intimate but doing something crazy that's ours right you know for 10 years and this this really this year will mark i started working with greg in 2010 our first issue came out in 2011 but mm-hmm. like they paired us up back then so you know 2020 when when metal starts really coming out next month into when it's you know in its in its middle like that's a decade of him and me doing this stuff and right. we're ready to we're ready to try some new challenges both at DC and for ourselves so you know we want we want to make it special and we got nothing to lose anymore or send nothing to prove you know for me mm-hmm. it's like you know there I, I would take a whole other conversation with you to go through like the long internal journey at DC you know and the politics and the mm-hmm. ups and downs and the fights and the blowout knockdown drag out wars and then the, the wonderful moments and friendships and all of it mm-hmm. but like you know there was a lot of I'll say this too like before like death metal was sort of something like I said we pitched it three four years ago and then the landscape changed since then in terms of what they had been planning with 2020 into 2021 and you know for a while we were at, we, we weren't really able to connect death metal to that like we mm-hmm. I didn't know how to, to help set up what they wanted what Dan wanted when Dan was there and you know I supported what his vision and I thought you know I was totally excited about whatever he wanted to try with it in 2021 with the line but it just it wasn't 
it wasn't what we had set out to, to, to kind of create. So there wasn't really a way to set some of that up without radically altering what we were doing. Yeah. Um, the message of the story about everything being part of one epic generational thing. So, um, and, and needing to be both bold, but being respectful of the past. So there was, there wasn't really a context for us to finish in that made sense. And so there was a point at which, like, about, I don't know, a few months ago, or more than that, I guess, like, six months ago, where he was supportive of us and was wonderful, and DC was great to us and said, just do your story, we're really excited for it, um, but don't worry about what's on the other side, like, we'll we'll figure it out, and, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll line up, and if not, it doesn't, and we were like, great, no worries, we'll support you, you know, no, like, we'll, we'll celebrate whatever it is you create, but if it's not directly product of what we're doing that's fine too it doesn't matter you know Mm -hmm. let us let us do our story and if you give us the freedom to do it we'll give you something you'll be proud of and then we can we can but secretly i was disappointed in that simply because the message of our whole thing is supposed to be connectivity and if it was disconnected you know it is what it is but it would still i stood by what we were making and then um with dan exiting and Dan and I are still close. Like, there's nothing. There was no no hard feelings. Like, no anything. I was, you know, he was the guy that, like, he was the one that that gave me the chance on Detectives and gave me a year contract when I was nobody and gave me the front and the back and j- gave me Jock and Francesco when, you know, those those artists are not the people he would pick necessarily for a Batman book. Right. So he's, he was never anything but crazy supportive of me. And I was supportive of him, even when we had, like, screaming creative differences about stuff. So there was never, like, I don't know, I'm, like, you know, I, we were just texting. Like, we're, there was never a kind of, like, I don't agree with what you're doing creatively. We're at odds. It was more like, we don't see eye to eye on this one, but I'm there for you. I'm going to support you, and you're going to support me, and great. Mm-hmm. And then once he, once he left, and then they started to rejigger the line. Now, all of a sudden, there's a lot more connectivity to death metal and kind of what we're doing seems to fit more of what they're looking to do. And you can imagine a lot of it has to do with COVID and and the fact that I think people right now want their heroes. They want like something, you know, they want they want like exciting takes on comfort food in different ways. So metal isn't necessarily that metal is crazy. But on the other side of it, I can see why they're moving towards something that Metal is saying that kind of a message. Yeah. So we'll see. You know. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is we're much more connected right now to the other side, and uh, you know, integrated into kind of the DCU than we were before. Okay. So I mean, and and on that note, especially about what you were talking about, like not doing uh, big arcs anymore. Do you think like you and uh, you and Greg, or even you and another artist, would just kind of maybe. Like throwing, like, hey, I I, I want to write a, a Captain uh, Adam one shot, or I want to do a uh, a, a question uh, limited series. Like, do you think that you'll kind of uh, transition more into that? Like, if an idea hits you, you'll just like you'll pitch like a one a one issue or a three issue kind of arc for a character. I'd love to do something like that. You know, um, I think for me, where we're looking right now is I mean Greg Greg's mentality is rubbed off on me in, in terms of us as a team, which is he really puts his head down and wants to, you know, finish one thing before thinking about the next or at right. least getting close to the end. So we haven't really thought past 
death metal in a big way, but the talks that we've had about what we want to do on the other side, or we want to take a break and do some indie stuff together for the first time, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, like as a team, and then on the other side of the indie stuff, try something that, you know, is a new challenge, like whether it's exactly what you're saying, like coming back and doing, you know, a, a Doctor Fate series or something, or... Mm-hmm. You know, doing something at Marvel or doing something, you know, just just sort of sort of positioned differently at DC. You know, we're not. I just, I, I, I just, I want to. I'm telling you, like the easiest thing in the, you know, creatively right now would be to go say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back and we're going to do 20 more issues of Batman, or we're going to go back and we're going to do another event like Metal, mm-hmm. Metal Three. You know, right. I've learned math of this the way we learn the math of Batman mm-hmm. in terms of what our Batman is. You know, I and I had like five or six stories I wanted to do between Scarecrow. Uh, you know, I, I had a Penguin idea I never really got to do. I had a Black Mask idea, uh, a bigger Ivy story. Like, so there were a lot of things I wish I could do on Batman. But the problem I was having with it was that it was getting too um, comfortable, you yeah. know, too familiar. And that's the same thing with this. Like, events, revving up the whole machine, going out and promoting it, you know, knowing how to bring in certain characters that are going to be exciting for us and fans. Like, all of it is becoming familiar, and I want to I wanna make this the best thing we could possibly do and then try something else. So yeah. whatever we do next, I promise, it won't be something that you've seen us do. It won't be like Batman over again. Right, and and that's what I got. I, I definitely got that from what you're saying. It's like you, you you hit the nail on the head. You said you know the math of this. So then once you know the once you really kind of know the math of something, then the the challenge kind of the, the you don't you don't have as much of a challenge of it anymore. So it makes sense to to go out and do something new and different than to challenge yourself because the the thing, kind of the worst thing a creative person can do is is no only one thing and be known for only doing it that way yeah you know I, I always tell when I teach when I teach you know my one of the big pillars of the class is always trying to remind people that you know you have to be your own favorite writer and for me that means being the most exciting person to yourself like mm-hmm. if you fall into something complacent and you're repeating yourself people might like it and it might be something that's you know like a crowd pleaser, but if you're doing that over and over and over again, you know, you're not, you would not, you know deep down in your gut, like if you're not, you know, who you want to be that way. And and for me, like that, that's, luckily it's worked out well to, to try and follow that, where it's like, you know, if, if I'm doing Superman and Chain, then I want to try After Death next, you know, if I'm doing right. After Death, then I want to try you know, metal next and do that. And if I'm doing metal, then I want to go away and try Undiscovered Country. You know what I mean? And then if I can do Undiscovered Country as a co-written thing, then I want to do my own solo project with, you know, with uh, Tula Lote or a lot of people I'm talking about, you know, working with that you haven't seen me do stuff with. And then I want to come back and do something with Greg you've never seen. Like that, that zigzag to me is that where the creativity lives in knowing what you want to write about and then challenging yourself to have to write about it differently with different artists in different formats. Right. And and that's what's going to lead me into to Undiscovered Country because it's such a new and different world. And that's one of the things I've been loving 
so much about it. And the story is so big in, in, in its scale and and its uh, implications. Like, so how did how does working like collaborative collaboratively like with Charles Soul affect the storytelling? Like, affect your writing? Like, how does how does the collaboration uh, work with like what you're trying, what the message you're trying to to get out with the story itself? Well, it's funny because he's he's one of my close friends, and we we became friends back when he was doing. Um, he took Swamp Thing from me in like 2012, you know, or 20. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2012, um, 2013 actually. So I mean, we've been friends a, a long time. Um, but uh, what really happened was we started trading scripts, and just as a secret, like you know. For everybody out there, you can know this. It's no big deal. But, like, a lot of us at DC and Marvel trade scripts and read each other's stuff, even though we're not supposed to. So, right. like, I read, you know, Death of Wolverine before you guys did out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he read Metal, and he helped me come up with the title for Metal, actually, uh, back before anyone at DC saw it. Nice. So, you know, same thing. Jeff Lemire and I trade all the time. Uh, you know, I, I, there are many people over there that I love that I trade with, you know, in different capacities. Uh, Donnie and I trade all kinds of stuff. So for us, like, you know, it's, it's writer, creator first, you know? Right. But anyway, um, uh, with Charles, it, it's very easy because we traded scripts for so long that we developed a kind of shorthand with each other about, I understand what he's going for in his work a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And he understands what I'm going for, and our priorities are really similar. It's always kind of, you know, character-driven about something. Each issue has, like, a point. You know, a series is working towards a message. You know, we know what that is before we start. But we have different methodologies. Charles comes at it from a kind of intellectual, analytical angle, and I come at it from a more emotional, idealistic angle. Mm-hmm. I'm more sentimental. He's more, I think... Um, he's more intellectual about it and we wanted to try something that would would allow us to blend all of our kind of likes and dislikes and priorities into one thing mm-hmm. because you know undiscovered country for us the fun of it is that it's like terrestrial fish monsters and neon horn desert god people <laughs> and at the same time it's got this history of the united states that you get in the back of the issues Right. You know, um, that's mo- much more plausible about how it goes from being what it is now to what it is then. And there are crazy sci-fi elements like, you know, the time dilation and things that make different zones, different territories within the sealed off United States move at different space-time speeds so that you could be 200 years ahead mm-hmm. in one But um, beyond the kind of comic book crazy, it's a blend of both you know, Charles's sensibilities in mind. And so it's it's been really I know it sounds like PR, but it's not. It's been really easy working with him, you know, on this. And the way that we work the first arc we really did everything together where it was like we split the issues. So issue one was was more me, issue two was more him, issue three was more me, issue four. Like I would write an outline, he would approve the outline kind of back and forth talking. I would go back and write a draft, then he would do a polish on the draft, and then for his issues it was the same thing. He would write kind of an outline, we'd talk it through, then he'd write it, then I'd do a polish. Mm-hmm. Now that we're in the second arc for us, we're writing issues, you know, nine and ten and whatever, um, and we have a big structure that plans out the whole, you know, 45 to 50 issues. Mm-hmm. Um like I write one issue and then he writes one issue and then he does a pass on the script and I do a pass on his scripts and that's it. 
Okay. So like issue issue seven was was me, issue eight is him. I wrote issue nine, so he's gonna write issue ten. So that's it. Kind of works like that. But mm-hmm. we plan everything out ahead, you know. And it's it's a uh, I'm really I like the book. I I can't wait for people to see how you know how big the story is and how how uh, emotional and and how uh, epic. Well, that's one of the things I love about it is besides just how big it is in in scope and scale, it's still the the story of these people and the fact that you you know include their backstories and how they got to where they are now is one of the biggest draws of the story at all. So, I mean, with kind of the 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 big world and history of it, are there any plans for you guys to kind of expand it, not necessarily beyond the 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 forty nine fifty issues that you guys are doing, but like uh, side stories about about characters in that world, or like kind of how like a almost like a, a visual represent representation of how uh, certain certain events occurred. Yeah, absolutely. Like I guess you know, for the first arc, we wanted to give you almost like a primer on each character and kind of mm. some of the secrets behind why they were chosen and, and what 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 reasons they have for coming to the, you know, um, going on the mission in the first place, um, and what makes them both wrong and right for the whole quest. Um, so it was more of kind of like a trailer for the series, the first arc. But when you get to even like issue seven, issue seven focuses on Uncle Sam and you start to see, um, who he was back when Aurora was, we had just sealed the country off. So issue seven cuts between the present and you know just a, a small matter of years small number of years after the ceiling happened um, and so you get to see the territories and the people that ran the territories long before they became as crazy as they are now so that history like plays out in some of the interstitial issues that way so you'll get to know why America became as crazy as it is um, bit by bit but also the second arc focuses much more intensely on um Janet and Chang, the two diplomats, and on um, uh, uh, um, Pavel Bukowski, who was left behind, well, I'm spoiling six, but who was left behind in the zone, in the Destiny zone. So, um, and then issue 12 focuses more on Destiny Man, for example, and who he was, because he's still chasing them in the second arc. So, all of it all of it slows down and focuses a little bit more intensely on maybe two characters in arc as opposed to all of them. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to give you a sense of how much story was there in the background and almost do something that was like a really propulsive, fun, mysterious first arc that would get you reading and saying there's enough story here for 30, 40, 50 issues. And, you know, if the, if the, series, if, if the series starts doing really poorly, we have ways of contracting it, but... Um, our goal was to, like, I know there was a lot of news about how well it sold, but to be totally upfront, you know, me, Camo, and Charles decided that we wouldn't really take almost anything, any royalties at this point, or any page rate beyond, Camo took some, but I mean, ultimately, everybody's leaving money in the war chest to pay um, the colorist, the anchor, the letter, Will, the editor, you know, and and try and make sure that we have money in the bank to, to keep this series going all the way through the end because we all love it so much. So, you know, other series I've been on, you know, we, we, we know we're doing six issues, six issues, take a break, and we all take the money and then do the next issue. 
this one we really we we're keeping everything in the bank to make sure we have a war chest to be able to get to the end of the story even if people drop off but conversely in great you know in a great way what we just got the numbers we just found out when we got the numbers for foc for six is that nobody left it's still selling you know 25 almost thirty thousand at six which is you know a total shock and a wonderful wonderful surprise well, it's a testament to to the storytelling from 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 all you guys, the storytelling, the art. But as uh, but hopefully as, we'll pay you back. Six is like thirty plus pages for the same price, so yeah. Hopefully that'll be a, a plus. Gotcha. So I mean, um, and this that almost kind of leads me into a, a question I was thinking about. Um, as far as like what's going on now with with the industry and with uh, distribution. It's like, um, as far as like books like that goes, like, and, and I know you don't have like all the all the insider information, but do you think we're going to see like kind of a, a kind of more of a, a equal digital print distribution now, or do you think there's going to be they're going to pull back kind of uh, on print releases uh, for the foreseeable future? I, I really think that we're going to become more synergistic what it really boils down to. I think for too long we're, we're looking at different distribution methods as competitive mm-hmm. when they can be complementary. I mean, digital to me, like people, it's like when people were saying movies are going to go away when the VHS was around. So like, right. digital, like I, I love reading digitally and I read a lot digitally. I have a comiXology, I'm limited subscription, I love comiXology. Mm-hmm. But I, I still go to my store once a week and get the physical copies of the of the book for the experiential aspect of talking to the people at the store and also for owning the thing on my shelves that I want to keep. And I think they complement each other when done right. I think this moment of shutdown between Diamond and and uh, you know uh, and and publishers and and stores and retailers like. I think if there's a lesson in it, it's that we have to work together more communally to find, you know, progressive ways forward that create not just not just strengthen the avenues that are there in terms of you know diamonds and, and and distribution in general, but also find alternate ways of making sure that stores, publishers, fans, everyone's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's another disruption, so I don't see these things as like well, digital. You know, people are going to buy in more into digital uh, at the expense of print. I see it more like digital. There are ways that people were exploring with digital that can also help retailers. You right. know, like buying digital through your LCS or figuring out a way to um, crowdfund your book. And this is something I'm looking into for my next indie book. Mm-hmm. Crowdfund a version of your issue one that's you know an art an art version with no lettering. So it doesn't compete with like the the um, the issue when it comes out, you know, in the direct market. Mm-hmm. But it creates a war chest for you on the book that insulates against another shutdown. Right. I mean, the goal the goal isn't to suddenly say, "Oh my God, how do I make money?" Or the you know for myself. Or the goal isn't to say, "I have to I have to um, you know I, I it, 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 what I'm trying to say is I think everyone's working towards. How do we make sure the industry and every aspect of it, whether it's creators working on indie books, whether it's big publishers like Marvel, whether it's you know the distributors or the retailers, 
how are we all protected against another wave of this so that we don't get crippled the way we were this time right that's it like I think I think there are just many many ways for us to help each other that we're not we haven't been exploring like we've seen I think certain aspects certain dimensions of the industry have seen each other as competitive when they're not competitive not just digital and print but I think sometimes different groups of fans different groups of retail you know all of it like there are ways we, we have to we have to see ourselves as a you know as one ecosystem that needs to be stronger so I don't know that's it sounds like platitudes and you know kind of corny generalizations but I, I mean what I'm saying well, that's the thing. It's, it's it's a hopefulness, and that's why. Because my next question is is um, do you think that and it's about hopefulness? Is that do you think that there's um, that there's continued hope for for uh, new creators and and their stories? Like, are they? Uh, do you think the the Kickstarter the crowdsourcing model will work better for them than uh, than going through the publish the the um, the publishers? I think there's going to be both. I mean, I think one of the like one of the things to think about if you're up and coming right now is that you know I think you you look at which companies are being more aggressive, which are struggling, which have independent funding, which don't, which which are looking to like let you keep your rights but are willing to put the comic out, which are you know willing to pay you a patron but take the rights, like. Mm-hmm. It's so varied and individuated in terms of what each company's priorities are. But some of them, I think, in this market are doing well and aggressive, and some of them are not. And you have to balance as a creator what your goals are. You know, some people. When I was starting out, not to get too in the you know in the inside the beltway, but like I just wanted to break into comics. So I didn't care if I sold away the rights to American Vampire for TV and film at that point for, you know, perpetuity. Now, at this stage of my career, you know, I I, I would never do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's, there's and, and, and DC has been very good about allowing me to be involved in the, in the American Vampire conversation and all that stuff since then. But what I mean is, like, at that point, I, I don't regret that decision at all. So it was more like I, I needed, I needed, I was broke and I wanted to break in and I had no, you know, we, my wife was in school and that was that was a golden lifeline and it was the best thing ever. Right. So I would never sort of advise people in terms of what to do as a generality, but what I'd say is that the market has changed, you know, and some companies I think are suffering and some are thriving. And what I'd say to new creators coming in is if you're looking to work at DC or Marvel, some at some at certain moments, like depending on what company owns you, depending on where you are, depending on the, the you know competitive nature of the two of them, they're behaving differently. And you know there are opportunities in both, and you have to really weigh where you are in your life and your career before you make those decisions. But the other thing, like crowdfunding, all of that that I'd say is that one of the most interesting things is that. You know, we're going to be going back to films. We're going to be going back to conventions at some point. But um, a lot of money is still there in terms of geek dollars, like all of us being a geek, in terms of wanting content. And right now, you're running out of TV shows, and you can't go to the movies, and you can't go to conventions. You can't go... So comics, 
crowdfunding. I've crowdfunded more books recently than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I've bought more comics digitally than I have in a long time. I've bought more comics through my LCS ordered to my house than I have in a long time. So all of that com- actual comic book content, I think, um, is, is hurt certainly by retailer closures, by all of it. But there's also a, a weird, uh, a weird strength to it right now mm-hmm. that I would say don't underestimate if you have a good story and a good project people's uh, not just desire but hunger for content on every level right now you know what I mean like right. they, so don't be shy about crowdfunding in this environment you know if you have something you really love and believe in like you know it's up to people if people are going to give you the money to do it then you, you know they will and that's that's still there so I'm just I, I just mean it by way of saying like it's a it's a moment it's a confusing moment and there are a lot of like I feel a lot of us you know there are a lot of emotions and there are a lot of it's all like there are practical you know terrors and like everything is everything is volatile and scary mm-hmm. but uh one of the things that's been hopeful about it for me at least is seeing that the readership is still there you know uh, Death Metal the initial orders were over 200,000 you know mm-hmm. Undiscovered Country didn't go down in terms of the orders and that's not I you know I, it was very kind of you to say the strength of storytelling but what I like to believe too is that the market is still there the desire just for content is still there and Venom mm-hmm. I know from talking to Donnie Venom 25 did really well like so people are out there wanting content and there's certain content they can't get and can't be a part of right now for movies and conventions and whatever so yeah there's 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 an upswell of interest in cons so you know I'm not saying um, everyone's going to run out and fund your book but I'm saying you know it's, it's, it's not a terrible time to take a chance if you have something you're passionate about so there is hope in that regard too not just with crowdfunding but with the signs in the market the market still being there for you know the big two and for image and all of it oh, that's awesome I love uh, again I, I'm on the I, I kind of the same uh, mindset that uh, you know people are going to want I mean, people are are hungry for content people want uh, either the comfort of the stories that they know or they want the excitement of new stories they've never read. So I um, absolutely believe like now is kind of a great time to to just be creative because, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, what else do you got? <laughs> yeah, put yeah. everything you're feeling and thinking into something, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I feel like it's just an unprecedented time with like, you know, the people are curious and terrified and 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 hopeful in, in many different ways, and, you know, cautiously so. But all of it, like there's, there and and that that's the stuff that's going to make the next generation or wave of stories. So whatever right. you're feeling out there, you know, there's there's an audience for it, and the audience in terms of readership and content isn't shrinking right now. You know, whereas if we were, if I was making a live action film, yeah, that would be rough. You know? Yeah, I mean the where we are in terms of production I mean nothing slowed down like no books nothing got cancelled in my world you know of stuff because we all work remotely it's the line of production none of us have to get together it's right. all care so yeah make your comics you know yeah. please 
Gotcha. Was there anything else like you wanted to, to talk about or um, anything like you want uh, readers to know about um, like American Vampire or Undiscovered? Oh, yeah, or, well, I'll say that. That's a good reminder. American Vampire, yeah, we're four issues in now to our big like 10-issue arcs. It's in it's 10 issues. It's crazy. Nice. It's uh, 1976. It brings everybody in. It takes place, yeah, in the bicentennial, and it's about the beast has, like, come of age under the ground, and everybody is sort of, you know, the whole world is on the precipice, and it's got everything in it from, like, 1970s, like, stuntman Vegas to, um, <laughs> you know, the development of the nuclear football on Air Force One to, uh, you know, New York, circa 1976, Times Square, Dracula hiding under the thing, it's subways, it's it's really, really, it's the story we've been waiting to do for a long time, so I can't wait for you to read it, I think it's our best art, Raphael thinks so too, so it's the original team, it's me, him, and Dave, it's our 10th anniversary, so we're really, we really wanted to make it special, and it's 10 issues for 10, and uh, yeah, it's it's the kind of culmination of everything. And I will say that after this one, we're going to bring it up to the present. So this is kind of... Okay. This is the big finale of our kind of solely historical arcs. And after this, we're going to do cases that are in the present, but are informed by the past. And we're also going to do small cases that happened in the past, but not with these characters building up to now. Mm-hmm. It'll be, you know, one-offs about, like, you know, Roanoke or one-offs about, you know, that. So this is, this is kind of the end of this big propulsive trajectory towards the present. Like this is the last one before we hit it. That's, We're not going to do the 80s or the 90s. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, that's <laughs> much, awesome. Too much 80s and 90s. I would do yeah. too much 80s stuff in the yeah. world. I understand completely. Well, I really appreciate your time, man. I, I really do. Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right, dude, it's a pleasure. Honestly, it's a highlight of the day, so thank you so much, Darren. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Yeah, just uh, let's do it again soon. Let's not take so long in between, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely like to, like, I know you kind of uh, touched on it, but I would kind of like to, you know, get into not even necessarily talking about the comics, but just talking about your, you know, your experience in the industry and, like, what you were talking about, like, where um, that we, we that like you told me that you know if if we had more time you'd you'd get oh, into yeah. it. but no, any, you know, I love talking about that and I feel like it's you know it's important to to be honest about so right. whatever whenever you want yeah but, um, yeah let's just uh, I don't know let's maybe in a week or two before death metal or right when it comes out we can sort of revisit a lot of stuff if you want yeah that'd be perfect great okay brother I'll talk to you soon all right man love to your family. Yeah, you too, man. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Once again, I want to thank Scott Snyder for coming on the show and talking about all things death metal, undiscovered country, and more. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal number one will be released June 16th from DC Comics. Undiscovered Country number six will be available on June 10th. Uh, As always, you can reach me online through at SuperpoweredFan on Twitter. You can email me uh, questions or Anything is superpoweredfancast at gmail.com and head to www.superpoweredfancast.com for the latest news and comic book reviews. Until next time, this is Darren signing off.